The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and hello, everyone. This is episode 599 of IGN's weekly PlayStation show podcast, Beyond. And boy, did it take a lot to get us here to actually record this episode. But before I get to that, we have a really big show this week. I mean, it's bigger than last week, so relatively it's bigger. Uh, So we're going to jump right into things on Beyond. I am joined this week by Tom Marks. Hello, Tom. Thank you for joining us. I'm also joined by Lucy O'Brien. Beyond. Beyond, Lucy. And we're in the, we're in the cans, checking for the <laughs> audio levels, sound speed running and whatnot, is Ronnie Barrier. All of those things. For a split second, did you forget my name and try to recover? No, no, I didn't. I was that's trying to think I of thought. what we were saying. <laughs> uh, Ronnie, I, I know your name. Okay, I know I'm not on the show very often. But, I'm be but when you are, it's important. Thank you. And I'm happy to have you here. Uh, so, of course, this is, as I mentioned, IGN's weekly PlayStation show. I'm Jonathan Dormish, your host for episode 599. We're so close to episode 600, but we're not there yet. And we almost weren't at this episode because, ladies and gentlemen at home, let me tell you the string of catastrophes that happened before we started this episode. Where to begin? It was uh, stupid. It was just like... As you can see, the TV simple. behind us, clearly with the giant Beyond logo. Yeah, if you're watching the video... Uh, there's nothing on the TV because we couldn't find the images that we put in the television that oh, are on a USB thumb drive. You want to know what happened? We just built all these new studios and we're currently shooting another video over in the studio next to us. I turned on our TV in here. The remote shot all the way across the other studios and turned off the TVs in there. <laughs> and so, like, I got it back on. Couldn't get Beyond to come back up. Before we even started adjusting that, though, we realized two of the chairs in this room were missing because they're being used in that video shoot. So Ronnie and I are on much more uncomfortable chairs uh, than these two lucky ones, Lucy and Tom. Uh, And then Lucy... Spilled a little bit of Diet Coke on the floor. <laughs> Luckily, this, this is just a prop at yeah, this point. It, this Coke can here, left. it's like, that's just there for show. There, none of the wires were hurt in the making of this episode. Though, I right? could just knock this over and it would be fine. Okay, well. <laughs> Let's not mm, test fate. I, like, I, I'm kind of shocked that I just stood there and went, oh my God, and you guys all sprung into action and I was like, whoa, there are wires down here and like <laughs> potentially really dangerous guys. And I just sat there and didn't do anything. We're fine. But it's fine because we are here recording episode 599. Mm-hmm. And before we jump into the episode, I want to read a letter from a Beyond listener or viewer who wrote into Beyond at IGN.com, which you can do with questions, comments, concerns, trivia, whatever you want to. Uh, but Christopher wrote in and Christopher said, hello, Mr. Dornbush, or whoever reads the Beyond emails. It's me. 
Recently, I was trying to edit the podcast beyond episode index in the IGN podcast wiki guide. The wiki hasn't been updated since 2016, so I thought I would start adding more recent episodes. Thank you for that thought. I even created my first IGN account to do this. Unfortunately, the wiki editor was not allowing me to edit. We should check in with our team on why that wasn't happening. But anyway, it either said blah, 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 things weren't working, so we'll get that sorted out for you. Uh, because of this, though, I created an Excel spreadsheet to put the information I would use to update the wiki when it was eventually fixed. I then decided to make this spreadsheet an, uh, an ultimate archive of every Beyond episode from 2007, and he attached it to his email. Wow. Wow. So we have a full spreadsheet, which we will try to make sure you can get in or we can get into the wiki guide soon, but it has um, episode number, episode number of that year that it was published, uh, the title of that episode, the date it published, as well as... Um, you know, the link to the audio itself and who I believe was on the episode is buried in here somewhere as well. Uh, IGN article pages, but basically, Christopher, thank you so much for doing this because I also was you looking at the wiki. Legend. And Super I'm like, impressive. oh, it still is using a photo of like Greg as one of the marquee images. So I'm like, we should probably fix that sometime. So uh, thank you for putting this all together. He bookmarked it by year. Uh, it wow. has everything tabbed by year, even noted when we recorded some special episodes like the E3 uh, drunk episode. So we have a ton of information that we need to get into that wiki soon. But what a great time to do that as we're on the eve of episode 600. Amazing. So thank you so much for doing that, Christopher. Uh, we'll make sure you can actually get that into our wiki guide soon. Uh, Casey DeFridis, if you're listening, please fix it. I, ass <laughs> I assume she handles all of that. I wouldn't know. All on you. Um, but yes, thank you so much for doing that. Of course, more than what has happened in the past on Beyond. We want to also talk about the present and the future. Episode 600 is next week. Uh, we're excited to record that one. We are going to focus a bit more on memory card segments that week. So if you've written in and haven't heard yours read on the show so far, uh, I have all of those emails. So I'm hoping to get to a lot more next week. We are also hoping to, if you submit any in between now and then, definitely read all of those. So if you want to, please submit a memory card. You can do that to beyond at IGN.com with the subject line memory card. And we'll be sure to read a bunch of those on the show next week. Also, if you have any fun trophy test ideas, feel free to send and send in some suggestions there. Um, but without further ado, I thought we could get into this week's episode. And Ronnie, you'll have to tell me if the audio works as we jump into News Crunch. Is it, is it working? Oh, I can hear it in one of the other headphones. We're using the Redux version, which Ronnie recorded. Wonderful every time I hear it. <laughs> uh, it features Ryan Clements, Clement, excuse me. Of the it show, does, right? yes. Yes, yeah, there was some debate on that on Twitter, but uh, thank you for making that for us. Um, We're going to jump into the news. There is actually more to talk about this week, Lucy. Isn't that great? Oh, amazing. Uh, thank you to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> We're all so tired. It's been a week, you guys, uh, and it's only Tuesday, but we didn't really have much news to talk about last week. Thankfully, uh, Sony brought Death Stranding to San Diego Comic-Con, specifically Kojima was there. Uh, he was on a panel with Nicholas Windig-Refn, who is in the game. He is uh, the director of Drive and other films in an upcoming Amazon series. Uh, he is in the film. They detailed his character, and Tom, you and I were talking about this earlier this week. It is delightful. Uh, so his name was Hartman. <laughs> the reason his name is Hartman is because he has a unique heart, which stops every 21 minutes. He is hooked up to an AED and occupies himself with music and film that can be consumed within that 21-minute window. So I guess episodes of Cheers. When he <laughs> dies, he spends three minutes on the other side searching for his family before being resurrected. Hartman oh. dies 60 times a day. I mean, not a great existence. No, not a great one. <laughs> I just love that Hartman is actually probably pronounced Hartman, right? Like, no, it's Hartman. It's Hartman. just, it's, I Hartman. know, but it's just like... Hey, you can't be that on the nose. You can't. 
Clearly you can. can. <laughs> you definitely can. I would like to introduce you to a series called Metal Gear Solid <laughs> about being on the nose. Also, I, I, a couple other things I really, really love in this that are just like tiny little details are it's not that he has a heart defect. He has a unique heart. Yeah. His heart specifically is unique, unique and different that causes this to happen. Also, why is the dude only able to consume things that are in 20-minute chunks? Like commercials are normal, like three-minute commercial breaks? You I mean, maybe he does like a montage like maybe he's put together montages of commercials uh, that he watched for a 21 minute chunk what if he forgets did they go into this what if he forgets like when he is kind of born again he has to like reset his memory like um drew like barrymore in 50 dates or whatever oh, 50 first yeah. dates yes. um I did not think i'd hear that poll on this, <laughs> this podcast. and like therefore he can't commit to a 90 minute film because he won't remember what happened you know halfway through but he does know i would guess that he's dying well he would be like like, what am i hooked up to this is weird yeah like yeah like he must have some sense that he knows he's dying over and over yeah i would assume because otherwise he would like be in that 21 minute window and be like "Ooh, 12 seasons of the big bang theory i can't wait to watch all of this and then he gets into one episode and that's how he spent that one life It'd be funny if he woke up and he was like a completely different person every time. So like he would watch the Big Bang Theory and be like, this is awesome. And then he like is born again. He's like, this is the worst show I've ever seen. <laughs> he's just a different Mega Man boss every time he yeah. wakes up. Yeah. And then he comes back in a third life and he's Kelly Cuoco. Yeah. Star of the Big Bang Theory. So clearly. Uh, clearly, Thank you for actually telling me that because I did not. I had a feeling as soon as I said it and I'm like, I didn't get a reaction. That means <laughs> she doesn't know who Kelly gotcha. Coco is. <laughs> no idea. Clearly Death Stranding is being completely straightforward and totally easy to understand and digest. Yeah, yeah there's nothing, yeah. nothing weird going on yeah. this one. Mm-mm. Very traditionally Kojima, just Strange. very, you know, straightforward, mm-hmm. very linear, everything makes sense. As he likes to be, <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. There's a beginning, middle, and an end. Nice little package. Yes. Oh, yeah. We uh, we also got a look at the box art, which PlayStation Blog officially re- released high-res assets of. The normal traditional one has Norman Reedus's character uh, in his hooded sort of jacket with that. I don't. I forget what we're calling it, but the sort of like periscope. Yeah, the thing on his arm or over his shoulder that kind of alerts him to the presence of creatures from the other side. Uh, and then the Hartman. Hartman. Uh, <laughs> and then the steel book is him just covered in mud. I like the steelbook better. Yeah, steelbook totally great. <laughs> to be honest, I, I don't really like either of them. Oh. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for this game, but when I saw this box art, I'm like, yeah, it's Norman Reedus. What, I mean, the thing is, what's weird is, I remember this was a discussion back with Heavy Rain. Mm. If you put people's faces on a box art, it is, like, guaranteed to sell more yeah. than even the most artistically beautiful. I think they used Resistance 3 at the time because it had that really gorgeous orange and white, like, very stark art. Mm-hmm. It didn't sell well, and people, yeah. like, in a poll would be less inclined to buy that than the one that had four faces on it. But we've like, even found that with using alternate art in our like stories yeah um and people click so much more on stories where the the art is just a big old face but i i agree with ronnie in that i understand the face thing and i i think that makes sense because i think those boxes are visually more appealing to me as well but like they released that 10 posters series of all these different characters and i think any one of those is more visually well composed than there's so much box brighter and more varied and interesting yeah it, not that i just like this box i actually do kind of dig it especially with those little flashes of yellow in there uh, that we haven't really seen much of outside of the game itself um but yeah i was like not not disappointed but definitely not blown away and yeah. i am hyped for this game so i know they did the same thing with um i believe it was bioshock infinite 
where they said, we really want to do some very interesting art for the cover. And they actually made a reversible cover in the, actual, right, with in the actual game case. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. the image where they're falling down and like holding each other from like a big giant landscape. It was like a really cool like line art arresting image. But the the picture on the actual cover was just Booker with a gun. And yep. like Ken Levine himself was like, hey, yeah, we want to do cooler art on this, but like we also need to sell our game. Yeah, yeah. marketing. So. Uh, in addition, during that panel, they were kind of talking about, obviously, Mads Mikkelsen is in the game, and he seems to have a very significant role. Uh, at one point, Kojima had wanted uh, Keanu Reeves in the game. Um, or excuse me, he was he revealed I was recommended. Yeah, 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 excuse me, sorry, I was misreading the quote backwards. Uh, recommended Keanu Reeves, but he wanted Mads. Um, and obviously, we have Keanu in Cyberpunk. Everything. I so. just love that. I love that Kojima is just because obviously Keanu is so much like he's such a hot ticket, and he's so much more of a hot ticket than Mads Mikkelsen. But because Kojima is just completely like in love with Mads. He loves Mads. He's yeah. just like, no, that's the guy I want. Yeah. You know, he's watched all this like Hannibal and he's like, of course he loves that stuff. Of his, course he does. His Twitter account <laughs> at times is like a Mads Tumblr fan art. Yeah. Like, I, I, which is great. Like I love that he loves the people he works with. So yeah. Much. And he loves him aesthetically. He's just got a, yeah. I just, I love that he was just like, nah, nah. Yeah. Like, um, screw Keanu. I'm all about Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. And obviously he plays a pretty big role and Mads is a great actor, so I'm excited to see like what he actually ends up being in that game. I imagine pretty significant. Um, in addition to that, at Comic-Con, not PlayStation first party related, but obviously a big game coming to PlayStation next year, uh, Marvel's Avengers had a panel where they showed the footage of the game that we saw at E3. They included some additional content in there, which we'll get to in a second, but they confirmed that they're finally going to put this gameplay demo out to the public after Gamescom, I believe a week after Gamescom in August. So just a few weeks away am i the only one that finds squares like whole kind of publicity thing with this game very odd i just i sort of i found that the cinematic reveal at e3 really sort of underwhelming and i I think i wasn't alone in that a lot of people were like show us some gameplay like we want to see this you know we want to see proof of concept um and you know clearly they've got a proof of concept and it's been shown at e3 it's been shown at san diego comic-con and yet they're waiting till Gamescom to show it to the wider public. I just find that like a really odd strategy and I can't figure out what the rationale would be behind that. Do you guys think they know what the game is? Well, I mean, even if they don't, as long as like there's a slice of gameplay to get people hyped at this stage, I think it's okay. I think they do know what the game is. I think they just haven't been showing what the full game is in this demo as much. Um quotes both from this panel and then from E3, we're getting much more of a sense that like right now the like structure of the game is much more single player focused than I think we were initially talking about. Yeah. Um, and then it opens up to have more co-op and multiplayer aspects to it, but that it very specifically has a like narrative driven story that even will have some levels, I believe they said, that have certain heroes as the focus of that level. Like you won't always be able to choose for certain scenarios. Yeah. So like... I think that's very specifically what that is and what they're trying to show with this demo is the idea that you can play as all these characters and here's how varied they all are, but I think the snippets of gameplay are also short that you don't really get like a satisfying showcase for any of them. Yeah, and also like, of course it leaked. Yeah. Of course it leaked out of Comic-Con because yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> the public and like they're not bound to sort of ethical responsibility you know it's like that of course someone was going to upload it and of course it was going to look all grainy and crap and and not a true representation of what that footage actually looks like so again i just find it a really weird strategy 
because it's like, okay, we're going to see it out of context. We're going to see it filmed on someone's, like, iPhone. It's too strange. To be fair, this is the exact or very similar structure to what Cyberpunk did last year where they showed a cinematic trailer publicly at E3. They showed gameplay behind closed doors, and then they finally revealed the gameplay later after Gamescom. But they didn't bring it to Comic-Con in the middle. That's the yeah. difference, right? Difference. Yeah. That's the part where I agree with you, Lucy, where it's really weird that they didn't, like, they must have known something would come out of Comic-Con from a fan's cell phone and yeah. to not just be like, okay, the week after that, we're going to put this out because people are going to live with looking at that. People were putting up, like, six-minute-long videos of this trailer from their lap. Exactly. They were, they were tweeting it out within Twitter's video restrictions. Yeah. So, it's yeah, of course, it's just going to look... I think it's indicative of a problem that this game has been having since they revealed it, which is this this desire to ride the wave of the MCU and the popularity of Avengers in cinema mm. without actually fully living in that world. Yeah, it's it's kind of this pull where it's this it's the reason that and I've I spoke about this on I think when we did the E3 episode and a bunch of other uh, other places it's this it's the reason the characters feel so weird is because they look they're using the same cast from the Avengers movies the first Avengers movies are using the same kind of like characters a lot of the same imagery iconography that sort of stuff but then it's just different people right and it's a different story and that's yeah, like I, very jarring and similarly I think that they are living in this world of a video game PR cycle, but then they also want to benefit from the MCU hype, the Comic-Con hype. Everyone's hyped on Marvel and Avengers, so they want to show something off at Comic-Con, and they're trying to live in both these worlds at once, and it's maybe won't spell disaster for it. I'm not saying that, but it is what is causing, at least for me, this sort of like, this is sort of weird, because they're jumping back and forth between these two worlds without actually picking one. Tom, I, I think that's yeah. the best explanation I've heard so far, to be honest. Because, and so we'll like, end the show there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that uh, that does actually answer some of my questions. At least. Yeah. It, no, I, I feel like they needed to go much further in a different direction than the MCU. Because mm -hmm. if you try to approximate something like the MCU, but just have it a little bit off, just the whole thing is just very off-putting from what I've seen. And like you, I mean, you, you won't find a bigger Avengers fan than me. I absolutely love the comics. I, I love the movies. Challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I don't want to be in the middle I, of this. I, know, I know where I work. I shouldn't have said and, that. And it's, um, but, well, yeah. but no, just yeah. you, you, I mean, look at Marvel Ultimate Alliance. It's very right. clearly not the MCU. It's extremely cartoony. You've got like yellow spandex Wolverine and all that kind of stuff. And you take one look at that. It's like, oh, it's Marvel, but it's not MCU. And so in that way, it, it's not off-putting, but... And even in Ultimate Alliance, which unfortunately is a Switch exclusive, but even in Ultimate Alliance, they have somebody doing a Samuel L. Jackson impression for Nick Fury, and they have Nolan North doing the Rocket Raccoon impression of Bradley yeah. Cooper. But they had so Gary Lowenthal from yeah, Spider-Man PS4. Gary Lowenthal from Spider-Man PS4. But, so they have these MCU things that are literally directly pulled from the MCU, mixed in with all the comic book stuff, but because, like you said, they went generally far away from the MCU, even those little inclusions don't feel as weird because they, like, very clearly aren't trying to do only that. Yeah. But I think, like, you know, if, if I was in their shoes, I would absolutely want these characters, even though I think it's sort of a, desi a terrible design choice, um, I would want these characters to be 
to look as close to the MCU characters as possible because people, that's what sells the dollars, yeah. right? So it's just it's like people are just going to go, yeah. oh, this is just like a video game from like a licensed, you know. All the people who made Avengers the biggest movie of all time who don't follow Comic-Con or IGN E3 exactly. coverage are going to see Marvel's Avengers, see suits that look very similar and be like, that's something I want to play. Yeah. So like I do get that. But yeah, it, it's this weird in-between for me. It's like, I trust Marvel games on their pretty recent run. I trust Crystal Dynamics. I just want to see like a full level of this game, not the tutorial level, not like a cut together trailer from that tutorial level. Like I just want to know what playing this for two hours is going to be yeah. like. Yep. And if it is an ongoing game, what day-to-day -day play looks like. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's unfortunate that we're kind of left with the confusion right now just because we still don't know, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. We still don't know if this is going to be a game that is going to be actually just a lot of fun to play and yeah. but all we're left with this is sort of just like you know it's a, a feeling and like yeah. that just is not hopefully that's not indicative of what it's actually going to be like to play uh we did also though get a tease uh, our own joe scrubbles was in the hall h panel watching uh and reader listener viewer if only you were so lucky to read Joe Scrubbles' uh, stenography yeah. from that panel. He is perfect. I put a little snippet of it on Twitter. He is the funniest note taker I've ever read, and it's wonderful. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> he is a real person, Greg. Uh, he was in the room and saw the fact that they seemed to be teasing Kamala Khan and Ms. Marvel. Uh, there was no, uh, aka Ms. Marvel, uh, there was no necessarily like explicit, by the way, we're introducing Ms. Marvel, but um, during the fuller gameplay demo they added a little bit of more content and you see uh, a younger girl in the video uh, in one of these new cutscenes, and she seems to be wearing a captain marvel t-shirt uh, mm -hmm. before she seemingly uh gets exposed to terrigen mist that is how she gets her powers in the comic books so that would line up albeit probably not at the same exact event in the comics but that would line up there obviously she's known in the comics as a very big fan girl of all of these marvel heroes like she's just happy to be around them because she loves them so much so that her wearing a captain marvel t-shirt feels like a pretty obvious tell but they didn't officially confirm this mm. um it's one of those interesting things where like also if you go back to the original 2017 trailer it's being narrated by a woman but they never say who that woman is yeah and it certainly would make sense it would be like someone who wants to put them all together mm -hmm. <laughs> is That's maybe cool. that person um but yeah it, it's I, we saw Ant-Man in one of the trailers at uh, E3, and I think we're definitely going to see, if this game can succeed, a lot more Marvel heroes put into this universe, maybe who aren't sort of weird recreations of their MCU. That's what I'm really, that's what I'm mostly yeah. excited for in this. Me like, too. Just seeing them all getting added and, and, and how that affects the balance of the game. And, and yeah, like that is why I'm more excited for these additions that are going to come later than... Hulk and Thor. Yeah, I do yeah. think it's pretty funny how this game from E3 on spoiled uh, the Black Widow movie in terms of her fighting Taskmaster and him oh, being yeah. confirmed as the villain after Comic-Con. <laughs> I, 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 I always loved that stuff, and it's like, did they know? <laughs> did they really know? Like, Taskmaster got really big with Marvel Spider-Man as well. He was a uh, big boss battle in that, so it's funny to see that villain keep popping up like this. <laughs> um, in addition to that, though, they also briefly at the Marvel Games panel just wanted to shout out, uh, they showed Iron Man VR off to the public. Uh, it was playable on the Comic-Con show floor. If you happen to play it and you're a listener or viewer of the show, uh, write in with your impressions. Not many of us on staff have gotten to play the game. I have, but would love to hear more from people at home who have gotten a chance to play it now that it's been out there in the wild like that. I think it might make me throw up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just very like, true to life. I just think that like if I 
if I accidentally, because you said you have to be very specific, like you have to hold your body in a very specific way in order to sort of stay in a straight straight line, right? Well, so it's it, the two move controllers work as your thrusters, like the hand thrusters, and basically you hold them either straight, uh, parallel, parallel to the floor um, to hover upward, or you can turn them perpendicular to the floor to shoot yourself forward. Um, you can kind of hold one up to push yourself down one way while shooting with the other. Uh, there's a lot more f- like freedom of movement than I think you might expect. Okay, so it's yeah. not like I'm going to just move in the wrong direction and suddenly be like doing somersaults in the air. Kind of no, thing. like you could st- like if you because it does. You need to get the hang of it. And the demo that I got to play and the public got to play like starts you out in what is essentially a tutorial mission uh-huh. disguised as like him trying to land at home. Right. And I overshot so many times at first. Like I would go so far, but then you learn, oh, if I ever shoot, I can just instead of waiting for him to slowly descend, I can just throw out my hands and stop the blast and kind of push myself backward. Like there's a lot of actual ingenuity to the way you can move yourself okay very cool you get you get the sense of as you go on i certainly had for the first like five minutes i would say definitely a little bit of a feeling of motion sickness but that went away as it kept going i'm just so scared because usually we're, we're playing these games these vr games in front of other people and it's always been my fear that i'm just suddenly gonna just be like what <laughs> like i don't i don't really yeah. get sick or anything i don't get motion sick but i'm just that's like an irrational fear of mine and i'm just gonna be like wow and everyone's gonna be like oh my you know, god like, speak truth to power disgusting. you're gonna be so like nervous that you're going to get sick. They're just going to get sick when you play. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> My the first time I ever tried VR was at E3 2016, I think, and it was the Batman Arkham VR demo. Oh, I, that was my first one as well. And that yeah. was really fun, and I loved it. It was. Such a joy. But what happened was, because it was the first time I ever did VR, I was kind of a little too extravagant with my movements. And so there was one time I was like throwing a batarang and I just hit your mic because that's what happened. I hit one of the demo people in the arm as I swung because I just like, I lunged forward to swing it. And they were just like, oh, you can just stand in place and do it and it'll be fine. I'm like, sorry, sorry, sorry. I I really can't. No, that's on them. Yeah. Should have given me more space. Yeah, exactly. If If you're the person with the thing strapped to your eyes i feel like it's on them to not get hit by you they were just learning it was the, we were all learning at yeah that it was time. just the beginning of psvr we were just getting a hang of it yeah. and we'll see if that's what rocksteady is working on soon right rocksteady yes please tell us what your game is why uh, yes <gasps> mr that's rocksteady how, that's how, <laughs> it's me I'll, mr rocksteady I'll be bebop. <laughs> god damn it uh well moving on from that before we run out of superhero news wanted to briefly mention um with MPD results this month, mm. Super Mario Maker 2 was the number one game of the month. We gave that a 9.5. Is that correct? That Tom, is correct. putting you on the spot. Yes. Good. It was by Seth Macy. Uh, number two of the month was Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled. Really awesome game. You should play it. Uh, but with this month, Sp- Marvel Spider-Man for PS4 came back into the top 10 of MPD uh, and is now officially the best-selling superhero game of all time in the United States. That's very uh, cool. That's I mean, like, yeah. there are superhero games I pr- like more than Spider-Man, but it is such a good game that I yes. can't, like, that is very cool. Oh, yeah. Very yeah. happy for it. It unseated, I believe, Arkham City, which heretofore has been the top selling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very good news for them. I'm sure Insomniac, you know, will never do a Spider-Man game again. Probably they're, not. That, that's they're done it. and over. One yeah. and done. Um, but we'll, we'll, I imagine, see more of Spider-Man in the future. Uh, and it's great to have Yuri Lowenthal back in Ultimate Alliance. Yeah, it's so. pretty funny. He's just playing basically the same Spider-Man. Great. I just uh, platinum Spider-Man, by the way. Oh, man. oh, yeah. Like I actually, because I don't, I just don't have the like life energy to platinum <laughs> games. Um, <laughs> and I platinum Spider-Man as well, just because it was so compulsive. It really was. Just the way that they built it, and and, and the way that they they structured the movement around the city in that game. Just it was like throwing a podcast and 
and play Spider-Man. It was great. Mm. <laughs> Sony has done a really great job this generation of getting the hang of how to make an achievable platinum mm. that is still fun. But even if you're someone mm-hmm. who doesn't necessarily uh, chase trophies like I do, it is still a like, oh, well, it just seems easy enough and feasible enough. And I'm enjoying the parts of this game enough to want to go for that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think they've done a really good system of that. Like games with fun traversal, I think, are what get me. I mean, it's probably because it was the only game I had at the time. But when Infamous Second Son came out on oh, PS4, yeah. like I just played that game to death. Like I platinumed it and then started it over. Um, but just any kind of game that has just great fun movement, like yeah. I, I'm gonna want to. It can propel you so far. No yep. pun intended, but yeah. Uh, I think or you was did it. intend that pun, actually. For sure. So I'm gonna leave now uh, after that pun. But uh, no, I briefly wanted to bring up on the PlayStation blog. I believe it was end of last week, amidst all the Comic Con. Uh, Japan Studio put up a blog post about stuff that didn't make the cut into Astrobot, and I just wanted to tell this. If you haven't read it, it's a really great read. Uh, they talked about some character and enemy design that didn't quite make it into the game, some level design that didn't, and actually parts of levels that became other levels in the game, right. um, and just went through the whole process of that, the multiplayer mode that they were working on, but that they couldn't quite nail for it to be as fun for the person in VR versus the people who weren't. Um, but it's a really great read. It's a really fun look into the idea that the game that you were playing had a lot of iterations to it, had a lot of content that doesn't, didn't necessarily make the cut. And I always appreciate when we get sort of this like honest open stuff from devs. For sure. I appreciate any time developers sort of break down the, the unneeded secrecy that goes around game development because it is just cool to see like it's it's nice to see man they tried a multiplayer mode and it just didn't work and we just just trust them that this was like not fun and so it didn't work and that's great when you talked about unneeded secrecy do you mean after the game releases just in general i think that like there's a huge you know traditionally there's been so much secrecy around this game development as a whole and i think it's built up this really difficult wall between gamers and game developers and I think that the more that game developers are transparent and I know that's not always easy because they are if you put yourself in the firing line you're in the firing line right yeah um but like I do think that lifting up that veil goes a long way towards humanizing game devs and um and yeah just softening that relationship it's always sorry I was just gonna say I'm, I'm of two minds of that because I would absolutely love more access you know um especially what I do but the I really want to see behind the scenes of the game as it's being made, but because of like the vitriol and the pushback they get on stuff, if they like decide to add a feature and then take it out, like I can see why they don't talk about stuff. Yeah, oh, not at the time. Not at the time. I mean, I think at the time is is very that's a big ask of anyone creating any kind of art. Yeah. But like definitely afterwards, like I think what Corey and the team at Sony Santa Monica did with God of War with that documentary. Yeah. You know yeah. that was that was that was so revealing, and it would it didn't hold back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be that open about stuff, I think the best chance we're going to get these days is for to hear from devs after a game has come out, whether it's a month after or a year after. The Both the not wanting to have to face blowback if they cut a feature, even if it was the best sounding feature of all time, but just because they couldn't make it work yeah. with the business realities of everything. But also games as opposed to movies and TV, and I'll get to that part of it in a second, but games have also traditionally been so much more beholden to like exciting announcements as being part of a thing. Like obviously we saw Marvel Studios do this whole big unveil of the next two years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe at Comic-Con, but we also knew there were untitled Marvel movies dated to like 2023. Yeah. Like we just know movie studios map out what you're going to be watching for the next three to four years 
way in advance. Yeah. Whereas with games, we don't know what PlayStation exclusives are going to come out beyond the first half of 2020. Yeah, and they use reveals as a marketing push. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Pre-order now. Not yeah. to not to go too deep down this tangent, but uh, the best example of transparency in game dev, if I, if I may, is Warframe and Digital Extremes. That developer has... I mean, they're great. They're super open. They're super friendly. But also, they've kind of trained their community to expect a high level of transparency and and I mean this as a compliment a high level of unreliability in that transparency yeah. where if they show a feature that they're just like on a live stream just like whatever let's just show this thing we shouldn't show you then like the community knows that might never come out that's not a thing we should be expecting and hounding them forever on it might come out years from now it might never show up it might look very different when it does show up they've become so transparent and so open that there's no longer that expectation of like, if we show you this, we're going to have to be held to it, right? Like they're good enough that people just, the community knows they're going to make the stuff that they want to make and that works and it's going to be fine. And like, we'll just get it when it comes. And then they tease stuff all the time and it's not really a big deal. And they still have time for surprises. I just think that that it's an incredibly high, like it's incredibly hard bar to hit, but at a certain point, they just hit, like, the digital extremes just hit this point where it's like, okay, we're great. Now we can just show you anything. That's <laughs> like, fine, because maybe it'll it's never great. come out and nobody will yell at us. Yeah. I mean, they'll still yell, but it's not, like, as hostile. It's <laughs> I know. Nice yelling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's a weird balance that you have to strike, but I think seeing things like this, seeing the, not just the God of War documentary, but afterwards they were doing a bunch of uh, blog post breakdowns of, like, here's how the the boat worked. Here's uh, how yeah. the conversations there worked. Here's how the Valkyrie fights yeah, were like Here's all that stuff. Yeah. I love seeing that stuff. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, transparency around single-player games post-launch is going to be very different from uh, transparency around ongoing games where, yes. like, people are still playing and it is so important to receive the, those updates and, yeah. to, and to get that information because otherwise you're just going to lose your audience. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is an interesting balance to have to strike, and I don't envy anyone who has to deal with that, but I do <laughs> super appreciate whenever devs are willing to talk about that stuff openly. Uh, I did also want to mention it just launched, I believe, last night, but there is a huge summer sale on the PlayStation Store. There's Ooh. like a couple hundred games on sale, uh, up to 60% off. Some from this year, I think Resident Evil 2 remake, uh, The Division 2, a whole bunch Quiet. more. Just if you scroll down Quiet. the page, it's just all insane. Um, so go check out that sale. I probably will buy several things from it. But um, Was that was that scary endorsement for Resident Evil there, Lucy? That was. That was my like Scared Resident me. Evil voice. Not for <laughs> Ace Combat 7? Sky's Unknown, that's not your Ace Combat voice? It's, that's not my Ace Combat yeah, voice. Enough. My Ace Combat is like, Ace Combat, I'm Ace Combat. Whoa. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> Someone hates planes. <laughs> Moving on from that, though. Uh, I actually don't know anything about Ace Combat I, other than I know, it that's features planes fighting. It's pretty fun. Okay, to Ace, Ace Combat, I take it back. You played the VR for a little bit, right? I played the VR the VR mode, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I actually played more of the VR mode than I did the base thing, but yeah. I uh, wanted to also briefly bring up, just because it seems like this is one of those games that keeps leaking, uh, Plants vs. Zombies, a leak to an alpha uh, invite for a game codenamed Picnic, a closed alpha, suggests it might be gar Garden Warfare 3. Fun fact, uh, we recorded an IGN now yesterday, couldn't say the word garden, and just mess messed up again. So, words what? are fun this week. You know when you were trying to do that, I was like, I wanted to interrupt and just say, try doing it in my accent, because it's so much easier. Say it. Garden Warfare. Garden. No R's. Yeah. 
that's beautiful. Uh, I should move to Australia. But should. Um, agreed. This, Specifically for that reason. This was also just for that, no other reason. There was um, a leak of what seemed to be uh, Garden Warfare Three last year as well. Thank you, thank you. Uh, that sort of leaked around. I think this time last year, uh, it is not Plants vs Zombies Three, which is in a Android testing phase right now. You can download, I think, on the Google Play Store. Um, but it seems like EA has not lost track of this franchise. Have you guys played Garden Warfare, like one or two? Because it's always seemed I've like a franchise I'd have fun with, but just never mm. touched. No. I played a bit of two, not a ton, okay. but a bit of two. Um, yeah, and it's it's actually it's kind of like a little bit of a sleeper in that it's actually a very competent, competitive shooter. I guess is the right word for it, but it is also like there's a lot more to it than just shooting skill or mechanics or anything like that yeah it's 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 better than you'd think i think is probably the easiest way to put it and yeah. it is what a tagline <laughs> <laughs> well, you know there's a there's a small town in new zealand that when you drive into it the sign says like raglan it's better than you've heard <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, amazing that's so sad put that I, on resume let me put it this way it's good enough it's a good enough series that the announcement of a third is actually like pretty exciting and is it's might not be for you but it's it has the potential to be a pretty cool game. I do. I love the idea that, I mean, the name of the game is sort of a pun play on modern warfare. Yeah. And just Mm. that that's also coming back this year. Mm. I also just went Marden warfare. So that's where my, is that why I have trouble saying it? You're thinking of modern Modern warfare Warfare. saying garden. warfare. I think that's the problem. Garden, garden warfare, garden warfare. God and warfare. There you go. That's the way to say it. Uh-huh. Um, before we ra- wrap up with the news crunch segment this week, I briefly wanted to bring up the fact that uh, Ukulele and the Impossible Lair, uh, we have some exclusive gameplay on the site because I got to play a little bit of it uh, and we showed off the new feature which they announced this week, which is that it has alternate level states. So essentially you can change level around by flooding it or shooting air into the level. This is the 2D sequel to the more 3D open world platformer that Ukulele 1 was. The Impossible Layer is 2D, more Donkey Kong Country-esque. So you can essentially change a level over into a different state, but it's not just a like cosmetic makeover. It does look different, but it can also like drastically affect the layout of the level, the gameplay of the level. Uh, For example, one level, it's one of the early levels just a pretty normal standard run through the level, uh, hit enemies, whatever. When you change it around, it becomes a rail grinding level where you're jumping up and down on vines, and it's more about timing your, like, to make sure you don't hit an enemy on the vine or to make sure you can jump properly or to get to a secret item on another vine. It changes that level completely. Uh, it changes the sound, some of the visuals, all that sort of stuff. Uh, it plays really well. The controls are super tight. Obviously, Platonic has a history as former Rare devs, and they certainly know how to make 2D platformers. Um, I had a really big blast with this, so I'm excited to see more of that game. It has like an indeterminate 2019 release. Yeah, we'll so see. <laughs> hopefully we'll see more of it soon. But uh, so that's what I've played a little bit of that for work. But because again, there's not a ton happening in the world of PlayStation this week, I thought we could just talk a little bit more about the games we've been playing recently. So Tom, I'm going to shoot it over to you first. Tom, hello. What have you been playing? And Ronnie, did I mess with the mic too much as I did that? I think you're fine. <laughs> Maybe like don't have your hand on it for very long, but it's it sounded fine. Okay. Yes, is the answer apparently. Um, I've been playing a couple things. So uh, I just started this yesterday, but I started jumping into Dragon Quest Builders 2. Um, I am playing that on Switch, but I know it is also available on PlayStation 4. Uh, and I am surprised by how much I am digging it so far. It is uh. Uh, digging. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Um, you did. It is It is 
much more of an RPG than I thought it was going to be. And we actually gave it a very good review. TJ Haffer reviewed it for us, who is one of my favorite people who reviews games for us. And he gave it an 8.8. And he said it was essentially not, it was not a Minecraft clone straight up. It was a Minecrafty style game mixed with a full Dragon Quest RPG. And it, it feels like that. It really does. And part of the reason it feels like that is because Oh my God, the beginning is slow. It is so slow. <laughs> it is so much dialogue. It's all well-written. It it's really a is a Dragon story. Quest game. Yeah, <laughs> it's a funny story. It's well-written. It's, it's not the problem. It's just like so much tutorialization at the beginning of this game. And I think it's, part of that is because it is a kind of sort of skewed towards a younger audience and yeah. they want to make sure kids aren't lost while playing it. It's like an optional retelling of two, right? Dragon Quest two. I don't know. I don't know enough about Dragon Quest. Okay, yeah, I, I was much more of a Final Fantasy fan growing up, but from what I've heard, it's like a I alternate think, reality. Yeah, I think on. I've heard, and I don't know if this is a spoiler, so maybe a spoiler, but I've heard it's essentially if the villains won in Dragon Quest Two. Huh. This is the world continuing on from that. I so could that, be wrong. That wouldn't but. be a spoiler because the game opens with. Uh, I don't think they win in it, but like basically they have destroyed the world oh, okay. and you're trying to rebuild it. Gotcha. Um. But and I, I won't spoil that. But it's it's a cool thing. You have like one of the things I really like about it actually is you have a buddy who's just an NPC who follows you around everywhere, and he's really good at destroying things. So you're like building stuff, and if he's destroying stuff, and so if you start to like harvest things or start cutting grass, he'll run up to other grass and start breaking it for you, and it'll just add to your inventory. And in combat, you're always fighting with him, so it's kind of a little bit got that like party RPG party feel to it. I have a question. I just had to Google what number it was because there have been so many, but I started with Dragon Quest VIII, okay. which is Journey of the Curse King, and I loved that game. I mm -hmm. played the hell out of it. Um, but I'm not so interested. I'm not so invested in kind of Minecraft style. Yeah. But, you know, you've got me with the idea that it, it's sort of still a Dragon Quest it's, game. Yeah. There is – so the building – what's the best way to put it? In Minecraft, when you're building, you're building usually large structures. And I've played a lot of Minecraft, but you're building a lot of stuff. A building in Dragon Quest Builders 2, like a room, mm. is literally just a box with two-block-high walls. And no ceilings and no higher walls than that if you don't want them higher than that. It's a very simple, rudimentary thing. And the reason is you're, you can play it first person, but mostly you're playing this game as a top-down thing. So you don't want these big structures that are, are not top-down, but, you know, mostly, like, isometric-ish. Um, and, yeah, so the building is definitely part of it. You're building these structures. You're rebuilding towns. You're building farms that your NPCs then work in and, like, will harvest grain on their own. Um, but... From what I've played so far, at least, it seems like if you want to just focus on the RPG stuff, you can just go run around and explore because the worlds are handcrafted. They're not, as far as I understand it, at least, I believe they are, and I can't imagine that they aren't because of just the way it's set up. Um, so you're running around these areas that are, you know, RPG maps designed by the Dragon Quest team that just happen to be blocky that you can break blocks in. But they are still, you know, TJ in his review called it like one of his favorite RPG worlds to explore like wow. in a long time. That's a big call because he's, yeah. a, he's a massive RPG guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like, it's not just 
you're going to be running around a procedurally generated Minecraft map. It's like yeah. an actual world to explore. And for those who like may be interested based on what you've been saying or like the pretty strong critical reception, you don't necessarily need to play one Dragon no. Quest Builders one, right? Like you TJ had skip it entirely. Yeah, yeah. You, so. It's not a bad game. It's just this is by all accounts a better game and yeah. is not related, uh, at least not in any sort of tangible way that matters. Um, one thing I will say that I agree with TJ's review is that the combat is real basic. It's very, very simple combat, but it is still amusing and fun and very cute if you can get through the tutorials, because there's <laughs> a lot of that. I've played uh, Twilight Princess, so yeah. that should be fun. Um, it's not a PS4 game, but I did want to shout out, you also wrote a great review for Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. Thanks. Um, that is Switch exclusive, but we talked about it before, and if you're a Marvel fan and have a Switch, you should read Tom's review. And check out that game if you want, because it's a lot of fun. If I may, the other yes. thing, I want to mention this real quick. The other thing I've been playing a lot of uh, this week in particular is uh, Monster Hunter World on PS4. Oh, yeah. So I uh, I have about 100 hours in Monster Hunter World on PC, but Iceborne is coming out at the beginning of September, and it is, what's the right way to put it? It's coming out like six to eight months after that or something. I don't think they have like an their, exact date even. Their PC releases have always been staggered like yeah. that. Yeah, and so... a real bummer. I'm so obsessed with Monster Hunter now that I restarted my game entirely on <laughs> PS4, and I'm already 20 hours into this new account. What weapon are you sticking with? Uh, I would um, Insect Glaive is always my thing. That's yeah. what I use as well. Yeah. Insect Glaive is fun. Um, I... I stopped playing Monster Hunter World, not for any like good reason, not because I wasn't enjoying it, it's because something else came along. Yeah. I stopped playing it like, I don't know, maybe 40 hours, and I, I really want to get back into it, but I'm just like, should I start again? Because I've forgotten everything. No. no, don't start again. Yeah, but you know how like you go into a game and it's like you haven't played it for ages and you've forgotten, like you need like 30 hours of Dragon Quest Builders tutorials <laughs> to like kind of get you back into what the rules of the world are and how to play, you know what I mean? Well, I think we one of the great things about Monster Hunter, sorry, Jonathan, no, yeah, is um, like because of all the different weapons and armor types you can have, you can almost start from the beginning but keep all your progress from your old mm -hmm. stuff. And it's so mission-based, so if you are like a gunner type or, or, a, or a melee type, you can just switch those and... Yeah, I was also going to say we have good. a lot of, and I think this speaks to your experience, we have a lot of big Monster Hunter fans in the office who've played a lot of... Uh, that game specifically, play with them if Come they're yeah. still playing. Play mm -hmm. Monster Hunter with me, it'll be fun. I need to jump well, back that in that song PS4. convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, for anybody like Lucy who's thinking of maybe trying to get back in for Iceborne as it arrives, the five weeks leading up to Iceborne, they're doing this thing where they're bringing back all five of the seasonal events that they did over the last year. Huh. So the first week will be the spring event, the second week will be the summer event, then the fall event, then the winter event, and then the one-year anniversary event. And each of the each week will be a different one for the five weeks leading up to Iceborne. That's really so cool. for the next, I think that starts, if I'm not wrong, this week. Uh, and for the next five weeks, you, there'll just be tons of events to do and tons of extra ways to get tons of free money usually they discount shop items so it's like a really really good time to catch back up or refamiliarize yourself with it yeah awesome. which is that's really exactly cool. what they're trying to do that's is so get smart. people yeah. back into the yeah. game they've been really great about supporting that game post launch oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that is a really smart way to get people who may be on the fence to jump back in mm -hmm. at this point thank you tom lucy yeah. what are you playing um so i'm still dabbling in judgment yes which is i know that we've talked a lot about it on the show so I will just quickly add my thoughts. I'm really enjoying it so far. Not a Yakuza. I've, I haven't played any of the previous Yakuza's, and I know that this is different. Um, 
but there are some things about it that are very true to the Accuser series. And one of them uh, is just like getting into a fight in a grocery store. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm really like, I'm just really loving exploring that world. Like I keep getting sidetracked from my quest. Did you do the microwave EX move in the grocery store? Um, no. Uh, what? Make, make sure your heat is all the way up and stand next to the microwave and then do that. Oh like the, and then send me that video on Twitter. I'm going to. That's, that's amazing. That's that sounds tip. like a fake tip in Nintendo Power from 20 years ago. <laughs> you yeah, make think. sure your heat's all the way up and then go over to the microwave. You would think, but this is from the Yakuza Studios. So I believe. No, yeah, I believe you. Uh, that's amazing. Um, yeah, I'm loving it. I, I, you know, I just think I, I'm particularly loving it. And I think I've said this already on the show. Um, but you two weren't here. Uh, I'm <laughs> loving it because they're the audience. It's just such a. It's just. It's just you two. Um, it's such a just a, an incredible recreation of Japan. It very much makes me feel like I'm there, and it's so beautifully detailed. And that's the reason why I'm loving it so much. Yeah, it makes sure. you feel like you're a private eye. Yeah, sure. what did you say. Is that, a, <laughs> is that a pun? No, it's, it's because people have mocked me for saying Spider-Man made me feel like Spider-Man. Oh, so I was just oh, uh, okay. was a dick to myself. Oh, you were just being self... Um, so I never do that. You I said it with a lot of authority. I didn't know what you were doing. I thought it was a pun that I wasn't understanding. <laughs> oh, you don't remember that one scene in Yakuza 4 <laughs> where they said, feel like a private eye? <laughs> anyway, Rodney, what have you been playing? Um, I have also been playing Judgment, but I won't spend a whole lot of time on that since we've talked about it. Um, I... This last two years, I've beaten Yakuza 0, Kiwami 2, and 6, and I'm waiting for 3, 4, 5 to release back over here. I have one of them on, on PS3. can't remember which one, but they've got to remaster them eventually. I have a quick question. When So Max mm -hmm. and also a friend of mine who have been playing Yakuza 0 got so hooked on that Hostess Club stuff. Yes. Is that like as big a draw card as they're saying? Am I just going to lose myself to this hostess club stuff? I spent one day, I think, about eight straight hours just building up my God. hostess club. What? It's so good. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why. It's just so incredibly addictive. It, it's just a little mini game in, inside, but it huh. has its whole side quest attached. Uh, the one in uh, Zero, I enjoyed much more than in Kiwami or Kiwami Two, whichever other one had it. Have you been playing anything else, or has it kind of been on yes. the? Yes, um, uh, I bought SteamWorld Heist upon. Tom's recommendation last night. I've been playing that on Switch. But what I've really uh, fallen back down into is Final Fantasy XIV. Ooh. Um, when, it, when it first came out a few years ago, or when, when Realm of Born came out, um, I power leveled all the way to 50 and then kind of just fell off on the grind because I had other things to be playing. But with Shadowbringers coming back out, I've got Heaven's Word and Stormblood and then Shadowbringers all to play through. So I've been spending a lot of time. There was a there's a big lull between the end of the original main story and then the beginning of Heaven's Word. It was something crazy, like sixty or seventy quests, and a lot of them aren't very good. It's just to <laughs> but get, do you have to play through and, them? And you yeah, and you don't oh. and you don't level through them because it gives you such a minimal amount of experience, and oh, no. it would ruin the Brutal. the progression once you get to Heaven's Word. So there, are, I think there are level skips to get past that that you can do. But I I was actually invested in the story. And wanted to see all that connective tissue, but yeah, that part was rough. Um, but once I got to Heaven's Word, like man, I know that's it's old news now, but that that whole expansion is just fantastic. Like, it's crazy the trajectory of that game from when it first launched. Yeah, and it was such a like brutal reaction to it, and then how it just continues to build up and up and up this critical and like fan yeah. claim. Someone showed the on Twitter that they, they just showed the Metacritic score for every. 14 and expansion, just how it goes up and up and up and up as I go down with my hand. <laughs> I'm very tired. Uh, but yeah, from what I've heard, Shadowbringers is, is even better. So uh, I am uh, 
level 60 red mage currently and it, working my way up there. It's incredible to me that, and, and I respect the heck out of Final Fantasy XIV, but it is incredible to me that it's just basically common knowledge with that game that it's like, yeah, you're going to have to play through 50 to 60 hours of a pretty bad game or a mediocre game yeah. to get to one of the best RPGs, MMOs. But in it's only years. video games that we kind of accept that as right. something that yeah. we do, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, what was the game recently where... Someone like tweeted out like, oh, after oh, I think it was Days Gone, um, and someone was like, after twenty hours, it gets quite fun. <laughs> and yeah. It's just like only in video games that happened like, with. Look, that's a reasonable thing to say. Final Fantasy thirteen. Also, I think yeah. that was like play through the first thirty hours, and then you get to the game. But it's really that, good. That yeah. game rubber banded me so hard because on thirteen, like it was it was new enough at the time, and I'm such a big Final Fantasy fanboy that I got all the way through that like corridor or hallway section. As soon as it opened out into Pulse and became like a fun game, I stopped playing. <laughs> Because it was like, it was such a like whiplash effect. Yeah. Oh, this is a different game now. Yeah, that's yeah. the hazard and then you run into. I was like, into. I need to play something else for a bit and never came back to it. Yeah, yeah that's wow. so. um, Well, I'm glad you're enjoying that. We'll have to hear more as you play through Shadowbringers. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have not been playing that. Uh, I have been playing in addition to the ukulele levels. I'm still obsessed. I play uh, Crash Team Racing Nitro Fuel daily still. Oh, wow. Uh, while the Grand Prix is going on. Uh, that wraps, I think, this week. But I just I play for an hour or two each night. And so everyone should read your feature on the side about oh, thank the Grand you. Prix. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's this really, really cool metagame that it adds. I think I've talked about it on the show before. But it adds this great metagame they're doing. They've announced two more Grand Prix and may do more in the future. But the third one that they're going to do will introduce Spyro. Uh, as a player character. So super excited for that. Uh, the second one that's coming up has like a prehistoric level and the characters you unlock are all baby characters. So it's Aww. like unlock baby Crash and baby Coco. So that'll <laughs> be fun. But yeah, it's a really cool way of giving you a reason to check out every facet of the game and get a lot more content without putting in a lot more money. Um, a racing, a kart racing game with baby versions of its main characters? Crazy, right? Unheard of. <laughs> Look, Crash steals a lot, but as my feature says, Mario should steal this from Crash. Read more on IGN.com. <laughs> Wink. Uh, that's for those just listening at home. Uh, but other than that, I started Hollow Knight a couple nights ago, Woo! which Tom is the perennial number one. Yeah, I've, I've heard he likes that game. Of. I like it a little bit. He's so. mentioned it once or twice. Uh, I'm only maybe two or three hours in, but I beat the first boss, False Knight, correct? Yeah. Uh, beat him or her or it, uh, and <laughs> I'm excited to keep going. It definitely is one of those. I'm a huge fan of Metroidvanias, despite that term's problematic nature, I guess, these days. I, People don't like saying it. I'm fine with it. Okay. I'm fine with it. I, I do. I do think that there was somebody I saw in, in the conversation around that. I think Metroidvania is a fine word, but I... Somebody said maybe we can start calling them adventure platformers, which I think is actually like not a bad term. That describes either. it pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm really loving it. I love the art design. I love the ambiance of it all. Uh, I met the the way the fast travel in that game works. I play uh, got to that point and was like, oh, this is adorable, and I love the character design here and what they're doing. So excited to play a lot more of that. But it seems like a pretty deep game, so I'll probably get to it over the next few months. Yeah. Uh, moving on from that, obviously, we have a few memory card stories, so let's jump into there. Ronnie is a play. I can hear it. I just want to. I like that one. <laughs> Ronnie, you, of course, made those, I so did. thank you for making all of those wonderful jingles for no us. No problem. I am working on some more. Hopefully, they Ooh. will be deployed soon. Yes. Exciting. Wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. Can you make individual jingles for each like person on the show? No, that's too much work. Wait, Ronnie. I want a did, jingle. Did you? You were the only person who just listened to that jingle, and then you went, "I like that one," <laughs> and you made them. 
Cool. Everything you said was true. Okay. Sure is a Tuesday. Uh, I wanted to, before we go into any new memory card stories, I want to do a follow-up to last week. Uh, Ronnie and Tommy, you were not here, but we got a story uh, from Jeff who wrote in, and Jeff told us about how there was a robbery at his house when he was younger, and the robbers took siphon filter and uh, cool, bo- cool Borders, I think was one of the other games. Um, but they took siphon filter. It was a game he loved and adored, and they took it. Um, but he didn't mention that they took the PlayStation. We thought that was weird, so we asked Jeff to write back in, and he wrote back and said, um, this, so they didn't take the PlayStation, and he wrote, honestly, I have no idea. They obviously weren't the brightest criminals because if memory serves, Siphon Filter was actually in my PlayStation, so they popped it open, put the disc in its case, and then took it. I agree it probably would have been easier to take the whole setup, but I, for one, am glad they weren't that smart. Uh, can I just say something real quick? Yes. Did, like, your brother's friend took it. Really? For sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't 100%. know if you had siblings, but, like, one of your friends definitely stole your game and just, like, I mean, said robbers took it. Technically still a robbery. I mean, yeah. it is. Yeah. It's still a robbery. Yeah. It's still, like, like, someone stealing from you. Like, one time, my brother's, my older brother's friends borrowed my skateboard, and then it just never showed up again, and they were like, <laughs> we don't know. I'm, they broke it. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. put my uh, oldest brother on blast here. Sorry, Bobby. Uh, he lost his copy of Final Fantasy VII and then blamed me and my other brother for it. We spent the entire Saturday morning looking for it. Yeah. And then nope. when he found it, he said it was to teach us a lesson for messing with his stuff. What? Oh, I know. he was just being, oh. Oh, no. Yeah, we were like preteens at what the time, but not, not cool. Yeah. On blast. Thank you for Very that. Very much. Appreciate that. Bobby. Um, so thank you for writing in and clarifying that strange note for us of an even stranger robbery. Uh, moving on from that one, one to read a story from Stephanie. Uh, Stephanie wrote in to beyond at IGN.com, which you can with your memory card stories. If you don't know what memory card is, we read stories from the listener and viewers at home. Uh, they can be funny, sad, weird, whatever. Uh, but we'd love to hear from you and all your great PlayStation memories. So please write those in, especially for episode 600, as we're going to do a lot more of those. Lucy. Stephanie comes from Sydney, Australia. Uh, you are not from Australia, but you I worked at IGN's Australian office. I did. I was there for like seven years. Ooh. So quite a long time. So would you like to read this letter for us? I will. I apologize if um, I can't get the Aussie accent quite right because as a Kiwi, of course. our accents are different. Sure. Zero percent of the people here will know. Okay. Yes, I know that was kind of the joke, Ronnie. <laughs> All right. Hi, <laughs> hi, hi, Beyond Crew. My mum was the reason I became a gamer. She bought my older brother a Sega Mega Drive, aka Genesis, when I was very young, and some of my wow. favorite memories are of her helping my brother and I through levels we found impossible. We managed to see the end of uh, games like Tailspin, Sonic, and Quackshot because she helped us through the toughest parts. It was almost more fun to watch her play than it was to play ourselves. When I was around seven, she bought, me, uh, she bought me my first console, an original PlayStation, and she was immediately hooked by Tomb Raider. I was a little too young to play the game myself, but we loved to watch her and try to help her solve the puzzles. One afternoon, my brother, two cousins, and I were all sitting in the living room crowded around the TV watching my mum play Tomb Raider. She had come to a tense part, and we were all completely silent on the edge of our seats waiting for something bad to happen. I remember her guiding Lara out into, into an open area when the ominous music started. With no warning, a gigantic T-Rex appeared and all of us, including my mum, started screaming in unison. <laughs> this, is, this is great. Because we all experienced this. Oh, yeah. Uh, she turned to run and was promptly eaten. There was silence for a few seconds before all five of us, my mum included, <laughs> cracked up laughing. My dad walked into the room to find the five of us in hysterics. I'll never forget the look on his face. 
20-something years later, that is still my favorite gaming memory. Uh, she did go on to finish Tomb Raider with my brother and I avidly watching on. Thanks for all the great work, Stephanie from Sydney, Australia. That is a wonderful story yes. that we can all relate to because that part was so tense. Yeah. And I'm just so happy that you got to experience it with your family. Like, that mm -hmm. must have been – because that's one of, like, for me, one of the sort of seminal gaming memories of my youth. And I would have – that's incredible that you got to, yeah, have your mum – experience that Amazing. It's, it's moments like that or in the in resident evil when the dogs first pop out and things yes. like that yes. like there's so many callbacks from that era of like if you look at how those games look now it's like oh why that's not scary at all but when you're in the moment and that's the newest thing out it was amazing yeah chainsaw guy from re4 uh -huh. oh. yeah another one just those like those moments that even when you play through them again you still dread them every time oh, you still sure. you're still terrified even though you might have you might know how to get away. Like in the T-Rex bit, I used to just go into that little nook yeah. in the wall and just wait for him to go away. Because that's, that's how everyone defeated him. Yeah, right? that, that's how you actually fight a T-Rex. Hide. Yeah. yeah. That was... Um, but I, was still, was... I, was still, I knew that I could I, I knew that I could hide. It's just I was... I, it still scared me every time. It was such a great moment. You two like perfectly time vamped for me as I was futzing around on the computer. Futzing. So I appreciate it. I'm an old man now, Lucy. I don't know if you've noticed... <laughs> But Tom knows I can't work technology anymore. <laughs> it's true. The other day, to show me a screenshot of a game, he took a picture of the screen with his phone and then sent me that. The computer isn't doing what I'm telling it to. <laughs> I also, I before that, that spent five minutes, I was entering a Steam code, spent five minutes trying to enter a PS4 code, and almost like Tom was like, the computer won't take the code, Tom. Why isn't it working? And then I realized it was the, <laughs> the wrong device. The computer won't take the code. Yeah. That's how I'm feeling these days. Anyway, Stephanie, thank you for writing in with that story. Garrett wrote in uh, over the last week to say, Hi, Jonathan and Beyond Crew. My parents divorced when I was very young, and around the age of seven, my father left my life until the age of ten. When my father came back around, I got to stay with him over the summers. At some point, my dad got me a PlayStation 2. My dad is a self-pronounced Tekken buff, and as a result, we ended up getting Tekken 5. I remember the game tracks your win-loss ratio for player one and player two. It was common for us to end our session and my dad to have 70 wins to my three. Some people might not be uh, enjoy being pounded to dust in a 1v1 fighting game, but I just enjoyed spending time with my dad. It was also the only co-op gaming I had experienced up to that point in my life, which made it very special. <clears throat> Excuse me. My dad is a huge Star Wars fan who still mentions Wikipedia and the old canon to this day. Naturally, we ended up getting Star Wars Battlefront 2 and playing the game excessive amounts. It was both of our first time playing a game of the genre in a universe we loved. Luckily for me, I didn't have to work as a young child, and my dad did. At some point, I became much better than him at, the ba at Battlefront. He said the Battlefront, which is an old man thing to say, so I appreciate that. <laughs> which was great payback for the Tekken sessions. If I have a D-pad in hand, I think muscle memory could still input the invincibility sheet today. The PlayStation was a great bonding activity for me and my father and has shaped the way I enjoy games today. My best gaming experience are the endless co-op sessions I had in college and all of it comes from me and my dad playing PlayStation 2 when I was younger. I now have a PS4 and I loved God of War and I'm loving Persona. Thank you for the segment and beyond. It is nice to hear about others' fond memories related to PlayStation. It helped me to remember my, my nice memory I shared with you. You are doing a great job with the show. Thank you, Gary. Aww. Thanks, Gary. That's lovely and what a lovely kind of um, I don't want to say like redemption, but it's it, it's like what a retribution. What's the word that I'm looking for? Like re, re reuniting story, a story about reunion. People coming full reunion. circle, coming full circle, something like that. Like yeah. I saw the Lion King the other day, and I'm 
used by the metaphor. Ever since week. then, you haven't known how to talk straight. It's, true. it's just been a rough time for you. <laughs> uh, one more this week. This one comes from Julian. Julian wrote in, Hello, Beyond Crew. I will use the abridged version of this memory card. Two years ago, I took my girlfriend to Comic-Con in New York City, where I was destined to get in line for Nolan and Troy to meet some of the people that shaped games that make me who I am today, Nolan North and Troy Baker, for those who are not best friends with them, as Julian obviously is. Let's preface this by saying my girlfriend and I have been together seven years. We both love our nerd hobbies, and at the time, we would play campaigns together, one in particular, Uncharted 4. She let me run and gun, and she did the puzzling and traversing. Through our years together, we barely fight and sometimes look at each other like, we should fight more. But then I did a bad thing, and it led to our biggest fight. I finished the <gasps> final act of Uncharted without her. Ooh. To this day, I regret it and wish I had taken a different approach, but I played on to make sure there was nothing that would come a little too close to home while her brother was stationed in Iraq. So good intentions, but... Yeah. Still played the game without her. So let's jump to the meet and greet line. I tell her about Troy and Nolan and point out who they are in the games we played. I said Nolan was Nathan Drake. I definitely brought up a sore subject. We get to Nolan. I let my nerd love out. Then she does it, not in an angry tone, more of a storytelling tone. She tells him about what happened and wanted to hear his take on the situation. I was then reprimanded by one of my idols like I was on trial. I told him we played it together after my solo and that I pretended like I was playing it for the first time. He took back the autograph he signed for me and then gave it to her. Uh, like a sad puppy, I put my head down as I knew I had messed up. Uh, to this, he says, eyes up, Guardian, in the ghost voice from Destiny, and gives me a hug. Amazing. Uh, he could tell we were and are best friends and knows that the relationship is meant to be and chatted with us another four minutes and was genuinely one of the nicest people I've met. But I'm not going to lie, I know... Uh, he is a great actor, but the passion in his eyes almost made me poop myself in fear. With much love, Julian. Oh, uh, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah that's I nice. love that one. Um, yeah, Nolan North and Troy Baker are pretty consistently like some of the nicest people around, so yep. I'm not surprised they played along with this. But uh, yeah, Julian, thank you for writing in. Thank you for owning up to your shameful act. <laughs> uh, we appreciate that. It sounds like he got it got it bad enough already. We oh, need yeah. To give him more no, let's happen. pile on, Julian. <laughs> for the next 20 minutes, we're going to, uh, no, wrapping up that. Thank you, everyone who wrote in from Memory Card. Remember, beyond at IGN.com uh, subject line memory card and we will read some on the show before the show wraps up I wanted to answer some reader mail uh, I know we're over time so if anyone needs to bounce please feel free to it's not at all conspicuous in the studio <laughs> um, moving on from that though did want to pull up a question because we have Ronnie here hey hi Ronnie hey. please please vamp uh, hey guys how was your last week I was at Comic Con Anyway, Adam wrote in and said, Beyond, hey guys, what I'm a long-time listener of the show and love it. Keep up the good work. Sorry, Ronnie, had to leave you hanging. Uh, Adam said, I have a nine-year-old son, 10 in October, who has never played a Kingdom Hearts game and was wondering if it would be worth it to play Kingdom Hearts 3 or would he be completely lost? I saw it on Prime Day for $20 and bought it because it was too good to pass up, so I went ahead and grabbed it. What do you think? I'll feel this one. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. Jonathan, you and I have talked about this in the office. Um, I was very excited about Kingdom Hearts 3 to the point where I went back and played almost all of the games within reason before that, like watched videos of Recoded and stuff like that. Uh, but played through 1, 2, Birth by Sleep, uh, Dream Drop Distance, um, stalled out hard in Kingdom Hearts 3. Got about halfway through it. Um, but honestly, that may not be a bad thing for him, for Michael. Because I... Sorry, I switched people. It was from Adam. From Adam. That was to trick you. So, so sorry, Adam. They're being very mean to me. Uh, the reason I stalled out is because I was actually getting invested in the overarching story, especially after Birth by Sleep, which is my favorite Kingdom Hearts game. Um, but there really isn't a whole lot to do with the, with the main story, at least from where I've gotten like about halfway through the game, I think. It's mainly just the disconnected Disney worlds 
And that, that was a little bit of a bummer. But if you're worried about, I'm sure the ending is very different, but if you're worried about just experiencing like uh, Disney games or Disney movies uh, in, in the span of this game, then I don't think you need to worry about that that much. And you haven't finished it yet, right? I have not. No. I'm okay. playing Final okay. Fantasy fourteen. I don't know if you've heard about it. Um, I will say, Adam, Ryan McCaffrey on our staff uh, bought Kingdom Hearts 3 to play with his child um, who has never played a Kingdom Hearts game before. Ryan has not played Kingdom Hearts games before. And he said for the first two hours, they were like just completely lost. Like, right. He was uh, actively upset by how lost he was. Um, mm. After he, it, it patched in after he started playing it, I believe, but they did patch in... Some catch-up videos, some explainer videos of the whole series. It's like 10, 15 minutes in total of cutscenes that you could watch if you think your kid might enjoy it. It is a bit dense, obviously, but they kind of stitch together the story uh, told by a cute little character in the game. Um, so that Donald Duck? It's not Donald Duck. No, it's a, is it Jiminy Cricket? No. The other cute character in the game. Yeah, the other um, I'll keep you all guessing who that may be. Maybe I, maybe I took it's my Kingdom Hearts it. knowledge. Oh, there you go. Maybe I took my Kingdom Hearts knowledge for granted then. Because I didn't think it was too hard of a ramp on, but I I could just be forgetting the first few hours or so. I think just when you don't know any of this battle, for right? sure. But they do definitely over-explain things. Um, but yeah, yes. if you're looking for just fun Disney stuff, it's your best option right now. Uh, mm. And especially if uh, your child is a fan of the more recent Disney era, so Tangled, Frozen, all that stuff. Also, like this. I think turning off the attraction flow makes the game more fun. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I so try like, that. I don't like playing with the Disney rides. Ronnie hates fun. Uh, Moving on from that, thank you for writing in, Adam. Michael also wrote in, Michael said, hello and beyond. I've had a PS4 Pro for two years now, and I noticed that it is still $400, save for the occasional price drop. I was wondering if it would make sense for Sony to create some kind of bundle model of the Pro that comes with a 250-gigabyte drive and is sold at a lower price, since it comes with, I believe, 500 or a terabyte now. Sony could bundle the system with physical or digital copies of some truly great first-party games. This would theoretically put units in more players' hands and convince more people to get the Pro before the 5 comes out. I imagine Sony might want to move stock or build an even bigger player base, but before the next console launch. Uh, the downside might be undercutting the PS5's launch if that system is launching at 450 or 500 So what do you guys think? Should they do a like lower tier PS4 Pro model? I mean, they're still selling like crazy. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I think like it would be great because the PS4 Pro is wonderful and I can't imagine going back. <clears throat> but uh, I don't think it makes a heck of a lot of sense considering how well it's selling and considering that the shift now is very much on the play- PlayStation 5. I think we'll see like big price drops on that stuff next year. For uh, sure. Say once the PS5 comes out and everything, if it comes out next year. But um, they don't probably feel a need to do it right now because it's still selling about at their expectations this many years into the life cycle. So yeah. my guess is I think it would be cool to do, but like we've seen Xbox do that. They did the, the sad edition. Um, they've done various bundles, different pricing tiers, all that sort of stuff to try to move those consoles because they need to, I think more than PlayStation feels like they need to. Um, so probably don't hold your breath for that, but thank you, Michael, for writing in. Um, last but not least, just going to grab two or three questions from the Beyond Facebook group, which if you haven't joined it is facebook.com slash groups slash podcast beyond. You can join there for plenty of PlayStation and other talk. What is that gift down there? Um, it, is it's it from, uh, it's from... Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, oh yeah, that's okay. true. Uh, I'm going to ask that. this question to befuddle you all as I look at some of the other questions, but what is the average air or speed velocity of an unladen swallow? A North African swallow or African what, or European? What are we talking about? Yeah. We need, we need an answer here. Yeah. 
We can't answer that until we have an answer. So African or European. Is anyway, Ben asks, favorite announcement of Comic-Con 2019? Uh, movie, TV, game. What did you guys see from this past week uh, that you liked? Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I'm it's very great excited name. about mm, Yeah. Uh, it wasn't an announcement, but I really enjoyed the It Chapter 2 trailer. Yes. Um, that was like, I, it just gave us so much to sink our teeth into, and I'm so excited for that film. I, was a mad, I wasn't a mad fan of the first, but I'm very excited to see where they're going to take the sequel now that we've got the adult cast. I got to shoot um, Jim Veveda's reaction as he got out of Scare Diego after seeing new It Chapter 2 footage, and he was so excited. Yeah. So <laughs> I, would, I would, yeah, I'm very excited about It 2 as well. Cats. Yeah. <laughs> Technically yes. not Comic-Con, but I'll I've never it. tried to yes. leave twice in one show, but here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I just, the, that Cats trailer is so otherworldly. And like, uh, uh, just for good and bad. It's just going to be such an amazingly entertaining train wreck. Dear listener and viewer, I cannot tell you how much Lucy talked about the Cats trailer. I'm obsessed. Premiere. And then I got home and like made my girlfriend watch it. And she like was viscerally appalled. Yeah. She and had I was the like, reaction. watch it, watch it. Like putting my phone in her face. I just, I like, it's, it's just going to be so bad good. I legitimately saw one of the stills. I watched the trailer against my better judgment and it hasn't left my mind's eye since. Mm -hmm. But I, I saw one of the stills of the movie that it actually looks like someone just like clone stamped a different mouth. <laughs> like onto a cat's face. Like a floating face. I think Terrifying. one of my favorite gifts has been people, or memes has been people swapping the Sonic live action face yes. onto all of the cats. <laughs> it's wonderful. Very much. Uh, Tom? Yeah. Cats? You're going with cats. No, I don't know. I was pretty Go excited about the uh, the English version of the My Hero Academia yes. uh, okay. Season 4 trailer, yeah. which we, we premiered actually on IGN. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, because that show gives me goosebumps. Yeah, we just, we... We watched that entire sub twice, and we just went back and watched the entire dub. So we, we are ready for nice. season four. Uh, Barrett Courtney has also been live tweeting his reactions to I, that show. And I've he, been very much enjoying that. He has a lot of takes. Yes. Um, I also, for me, it would be, because we were covering the panel at the time, we were writing news about it in the Marvel panel, when at the end, Kevin Feige just says, oh yeah, by the way, Captain Marvel 2, Black Panther 2, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Fantastic Four, and the Mutants. See you later. Bye. Also Blade. <laughs> and we were just all like, Whoa, how do I write this? And it was just like this crazy, exciting, oh, they know so much more than they've announced already. Um, <laughs> one of those fun things. I'm so all in on the MCU. I know not everyone is these days. I'm, um, I'm glad but, they can get weird with it. Like, yeah. It's been weird in the past, but now that you have the giant world-altering event, you need to go with like smaller character stories that are just weird, and mm -hmm. that, it seems like that's really what they're doing. When I think the success they've seen with some of the weirdest stuff in the last phase right. has been the most successful, or the like most unexpected stuff, so we'll see how that keeps going. Uh, moving on from that, Ryan asked, what series or franchise do you think should never be touched or rebooted or brought back? It, uh, not it. <laughs> Jaws, Jaws, Jaws. Okay. I mean, oh, so you're taking it as a, it was so successful the first time you don't want to see it rebooted just, rather than a, it's so bad no one should ever touch it with a 10 foot. No, no, it's just, it, okay. it, like, this is the one movie I've always said, do not, like, you can't reboot it. It is too holy. And it is so holy because it was such a practical shoot and so much went wrong and they worked within those constraints in a very specific way. And those constraints basically made what that magic that was in that movie. Yeah. And if they made it with a CGI shark, which is of course what they would do, um, it just, it would be, it would just, you, you, it would not be the same. You just couldn't even begin to recapture that magic. So please, please, if you're a director listening and you've been thinking of rebooting Jaws, please, I beg of you, do not. <laughs> Tom Arani. Put um, you on the spot. So let me go yeah. first. <laughs> 
I'm thinking Final Fantasy. Like I don't, don't read I don't want to see Final Fantasy with no number. I want them to just keep numbering uh, Final oh, Fantasy until yeah, yeah, the yeah. end yeah. of days. I want 56 before I die. Yeah. yeah. Uh that's a really good question. I can't I actually can't think of anything right now. Uh someone put out on on Twitter earlier this week what's one movie that you will defend to the death even if it's not you know, necessarily a good movie. And I said A Knight's Tale because that's one of my favorite movies. And it is extremely watchable even today. So That's really cute. There's a lot of early 2000s movies, yeah. Don't I remake don't A Knight's Tale. <laughs> um, moving on from that, uh, I, I do enjoy someone also in this thread asked, what would you like to see rebooted uh, further down? But anyway, Jasper asked, favorite and least favorite subject or class in school? Oh, this is Elementary through college. Easy, is it? Well, my favorites were all the arts and humanities subjects, so English and uh, art history and classics. And my least favorites were math and science. Um, I was like average at science. I was I could fumble my way through. I was absolutely cripplingly bad at math, and I still am to this day. I just like numbers are like they don't look like numbers in my head. Like whenever I have to input my credit card into something, I will inevitably get. Like, numbers mixed up the wrong way. What are those numbers? <laughs> I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> uh, I, I would say, yeah, probably also math for me. Just never great at math. I did the minimum amount I could. My minor in college, I, I wanted a business minor, but I did marketing instead of business management because it required the least amount of math. I could get by with, like, high school math. Fair. And then my favorite by far is uh, English. Yeah. So I always wanted to be a writer growing up until I got to college, and they beat that out of me very quickly. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I still enjoy writing, just I have not in a professional capacity very much. Well, we will uh, change that. I could write some features. Heck yeah. Tom, what about you? Oh, man, uh, similar things. But I guess I'd say in college I went to design school, so my favorite things were like, I I was terrible at the color theory stuff and really good mm. at all the spatial stuff. I guess that's maybe what I'd say just to not say I hate math again because that's also my answer. Everyone hates math. I'm going to throw math. a loop. I, well, I loved color theory, but man, like, I was bad at it. <laughs> In high school, one of my favorite classes was uh, sophomore year of math that year was geometry. And I loved it because the way we were being taught it, you essentially were just solving puzzles. Like in order to figure out um, the shapes and the angles and everything that was involved with it, you essentially just had to work your way through a number puzzle. You have to do the puzzles. proofs. Yeah, it was yeah. Pro it was just proofs. And they were so much fun to me because I'm like, I'm literally just doing the steps of a puzzle. Yeah. That's all this is. I will say probably the most fun I had in a class was I took two years of Japanese in college. Ooh. Oh, right. And got yeah. to learn a lot. So that, that was really cool. Instantly forgot all of it. Yep. But it was a fun class. Yeah. Uh, my least favorite, if I could uh, drudge this up just because I don't have a therapist at the moment, so I have to air this here. <laughs> uh, seventh grade science had... Uh, Name the teacher. No, that's mean. Mrs. Condi. <laughs> she, she was my homeroom teacher, too, and she liked me in class. She thought I was a good student. Um, I, I would say I got 100 on eight out of 10 tests, the other two were 90s. Um, so the way our structure worked for grades, I was a good student. I was a, a teacher's pet kind I'm of kid. So, sure. I'm I, so surprised. I'm uh, The way our grading went, it was, it was A, B, C, D, F, but above A was E. So E was the highest grade you could get. Get out of here. That's stupid. So it's like S in video games. Basically, right. yeah. Uh, we had the S ranking of class. So Super sexy styling grade. <laughs> we... I got E's in every other class that year except for science. And when I asked why, she was like, because I know you're not applying yourself enough. 
she's like, you're great at this class, but you don't participate enough. And I know you know all of this stuff. So I want you to be more involved than I would be, but then I also didn't care about it. So I would stop being after a while. And so because of that, even there was one semester, I think I, like I strongly obviously remember this, got like all hundreds, still no E, still no E, never got it. Wow. <sighs> oh, yeah. Anyway, that was my least favorite class. The fact that you remember that school. tells me how deeply that cuts you. Actually, I mean, that is true. Yeah. There's a lot of elementary school that cuts me still, but Amen. I'll save that for the book. Anyway, uh, thank you to everyone who wrote in, in either the Facebook group or to the email. Remember that email is beyond at IGN.com. You can either send questions, comments, memory card stories, trophy test ideas, whatever. Uh, all of it is appreciated, especially as we lead up to episode 600. want to involve you, the listeners and viewers at home, as much as we possibly can as we go to that milestone episode. Uh, before we leave, Tom, where can people find you? Uh, at Tom R. Marks on Twitter. And the R stands for... RISD, Roginald. Rhode Island School of Design, because you went to a design school. Rhododendron. Roberto. None of those are right. None of those are even close. Ronnie, where can people find you? Uh, Ronnie, R-O-N-N-Y, underscore barrier. Lucy? Underscore is four. No. <laughs> uh, Lucy O'Brien, L-U-C-E-O-B-R-I-E-N, on Twitter and Instagram. And I am at J.M. Dornbush on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, remember, Beyond is live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash IGN Beyond, and your favorite podcast services around the world. Please, if you haven't in a while, rate, subscribe. Uh, anyway, thank you all so much for watching and listening to this episode 599 of our weekly PlayStation show. And as always, Beyond. 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 Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.